This episode of Revision Path is brought to you by Facebook Design. You've heard of Facebook, right? Huge site, over 2 billion people visiting it every day. But what's it like actually working there? I talked with product design manager Tori Hargrove to find out. Everyone here believes in the mission of Facebook. Everybody from Mark Zuckerberg on down believes that we have the opportunity to connect the entire world uh, to the internet and that if we do that, the world will be a better place. Learn more at facebook.com forward slash design. Are you looking for a job? Do you know someone who's looking for a job? Then check out our job board over at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. Whether you want a full-time job or you're looking for something temporary or freelance, we've got you covered. This week, Vox Media is looking for a new VP of design. Friendly Design Company is looking for a mid-level interactive designer. And here at Revision Path, we're looking for a design writer to join our team. We also have job listings from Indeed.com, so head to the Revision Path job board at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs to apply and to search for any other listings. Don't forget to sign up for weekly job alerts so when there are new positions added to the job board, you'll get an email so you can be the first to apply. Again, that's revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. See you there. You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast. My name is Maurice Cherry, and before we get into this week's interview, let's talk about next week. So next week is our 200th episode, and you can be a part of it. What do you like about Revision Path? Has the show helped you or inspired you in any way? What's been your favorite interview? I want to get your comments, so send me your comments about the show by July 15th, and we'll include them in the episode. I'll have more information on that in the show notes. Now let's talk about our sponsors, MailChimp, Hover, and SiteGround. MailChimp gives you the marketing tools you need to be yourself on a bigger stage. So whether that's big business or just freelance work, you can join more than 15 million people who use MailChimp to grow their businesses on their own terms. And with integrated Facebook and Instagram advertising, you can even find new customers and reconnect with others. Sign up for a free account today at MailChimp.com. MailChimp. Send better email. When you have a great idea for a project, you need to give it a great domain name. And guess what? Finding that perfect domain name is ridiculously easy with Hover. Most people don't realize that when you register a domain with your contact information, it's published in this Whois database, which spammers and hackers can use to get into your inbox. Unlike some other companies, Hover includes free Whois privacy with all supported domains to keep your information confidential. Go to hover.com forward slash revision path and get 10% off your first purchase. Again, that's hover.com forward slash revision path. Hover, domain names for your ideas. SiteGround's hosting services are crafted for professional, business, or enterprise projects. So whether you're building something custom or you're using a CMS like WordPress, SiteGround lets you build better, faster, safer websites more easily, and they offer multiple hosting options that your websites can grow into. Visit siteground.com forward slash revision path to get 60% off on all hosting plans. Now for this week's interview. I'm talking with designer and creative director, Gentel G. Let's start the show. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. My name is Gentel G. I am a designer and creative director. Tell me about the kind of work that you're doing right now. You're based out of LA, is that right? Yeah, I'm from LA. And right now I'm doing a lot of branding and marketing, which has pretty much been what I've been doing forever. <laughs> but just like logos, figuring out brand strategy, doing a ton of pitch decks and style guides. Kind of walk me through a, a typical day. Are you freelancing right now? Are you working at an agency? Like what's your setup right now? Right now I am freelancing. So I'm kind of working with like a lot of clients that I've had for years that just kind of depend on me to produce what they need. So typical day isn't really typical. It just kind of depends on what's needed and what the deadline is. What kind of clients are, are kind of best for you to work with? 
according to my portfolio, <laughs> they're like entertainment fashion clients. But I'm really interested in just anybody that has like a dope idea. I don't care like what category they're in. Now with entertainment and fashion, you're you're based out of LA. Do you think that's kind of why you get most of those sorts of clients? Is it is it just location? I guess yeah, like that does play a big part in it. I think though for me it's just kind of been my path. Like when I was starting out, my first thing that I did when I got out of college was art gallery. So that was just kind of like it just fit because I, I was a studio art major. But after that, I got an internship for fashion. And because my portfolio and all of my work was based with that fashion line, everybody that would, you know, want me to work for them, they were, you know, always looking at the fashion. And it's just sort of continued from there, right? Yeah, it just continued from there. And people always like want that aesthetic. I don't know. I feel like once you have something really big in your portfolio and then that's like the main thing, people kind of think that's like the only thing you could do. Luckily, I got into some other stuff where I got to like spread my wings a little bit. But for the most, it, it's like a, yeah, it's like a snowball of fashion work. Talk to me about that. Like, what was that thing that kind of broke you out from from doing just that kind of like fashion and artwork? Well, what broke me out from that was kind of working for, I guess I was working for Dre's. Because Drace was like a nightclub, which is kind of like they still like that same look. But because, well, like my boss there, he was just kind of like, do whatever you want. (laughs) So I got to just do like a bunch of flyers that I just thought were like really cool and could market the place well. And I used to like go above and beyond. I would make like marketing decks of what I think that they should do or how I think that they should market a certain DJ because certain people get boring because they're like every single week they're there. So I would just be like, what if we did this or what if we did this with the entire, you know, Dre's brand and having that in my portfolio really helps for people to see like, oh, no, like she could do this, too. Like she doesn't just have to do like retouching and and like model work and things with like T-shirt graphics and flats. That's interesting that, you know, designing flyers is the thing that sort of broke you out of of what you're doing. I know that I hear this a lot from black designers, usually ones that are kind of just starting out or may kind of just be in a rut, how designing flyers tends to be, I don't know, the bane of <laughs> black designers' existence. Like, yeah, you know, stuck designing flyers, that sort of thing. Right. <laughs> I think for me with the flyers, it was because I didn't look at it as a flyer or I didn't like look at the trends of how people were designing flyers. I kind of took a more artsy route, I guess. Uh And I would like I would make it so that it's just like, oh, let's just make something that's interesting to the eye and then we'll put in the information. And also, like, that's kind of the way that I taught myself how to design, because I I come from like message boards and stuff. So (laughs) I used to make a lot of signature graphics. I was used to like having like a model or let's say it is the DJ. And then I just build around that. So as long as like wherever you work for is open to letting you kind of go your way with it a little bit, I think that there's a lot of possibility even in designing flyers. Yeah. For those of us that kind of started a while back, I'm probably dating myself a bit here, but that's (laughs) that's how we got our, our break. That's how we cut our teeth is like designing, really teaching ourselves how to design stuff just for message boards, doing like signature blocks, doing stuff for web pages or fan pages and stuff like mm-hmm. that we've managed to take those skills and kind of you know translate and move them forward yeah exactly like i think the first message board i was on was like a nas message board and then i was also like on one for beyonce and Khalees. <laughs> so i have a lot of old graphics with beyonce or like a rap well no actually i probably have more with just like those models that were so popular back then. They were like half clothes and whatever, like video models and shit. That's what I used to like design. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Can I curse? Yeah, you can. <laughs> okay. But yeah, probably like a lot with like video models and stuff. Like if somebody looks back at my work, you'll just see like breasts, 
texture. Like that's it. <laughs> so like that's what I used to love to like design. And I used to like go home from school and immediately want to do that. There's some graphics that I would like go home, start working on, and then like work on it until like 6 a.m. and then go to school. Like I was really, really passionate about these like signature graphics that nobody cared about. Hey, we all got to start somewhere. And I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's better to to put that passion into something that you really like than mm-hmm. kind, of kind of doing stuff that you don't really your heart's not really in it. You know what I mean? Right. You know, it's something that might be as mundane as a signature graphic or something like that. For me, when I started off kind of, I guess, teaching myself Photoshop, I was doing I don't know what they're called now. I guess they're like photo collages, but like blends. Like you would oh, you know, about like you would take I loved blends. <laughs> you would take like an artist, like a I don't know, recording artist and like cut them out of that photo and then put them yeah. in and like try to make it look like they're in that scene by layering yes. graphics or effects or stuff like that. And that's how I really like that's how I cut my teeth. That's how I learned about blending modes. That's how I learned about the different tools and stuff to use. And then I think, because I didn't go to design school or anything, but like if, mm-hmm. I, if I went to design school, I probably wouldn't have learned those same types of things. But because it was something I was passionate about that I was putting, you know, really hours into working on it, you know, that's, mm-hmm. how, I, that's how I learned stuff. Yeah, that's like the best. And like, I'm really, really, really into cutting hair. <laughs> like, I know that that's like, nobody cares about that. Like anytime I go and like talk to designers that are above me, lower ones, maybe they, maybe they like kind of care about it. But usually if I talk to like the creative director, art directors and stuff that are either like on my level or above, they're just like, oh, okay, well, let's just do something quick to, you know, get the hair right or whatever. But I used to like search for images where it was like people with afros, people with like really like hair strands all over the place. Because I used to love to cut that. Like that's, probably what I would spend hours on. <laughs> but yeah. When those like those fly outs and stuff, those are tough. Yeah. I used to love that though. And I used to like I got super, super good at pen tool because of hair strands. I guess people don't look at it in a lot of graphics, but I do. Whenever I see a graphic that has some woman or whatever, I'm like, oh let me see her hair strands. Does it look realistic? <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that. Yeah. And that attention to detail, again, that's something if you were doing a another kind of project where you never had to touch that, how mm-hmm. is that something to really even look at or look for? Right. Tell so, a lot. Yeah. It sounds like you've always had this interest in design. When do you think, when you think back, I guess, when did you kind of first really realize this is what you wanted to do? Like you mean as for a career, right? Well, I mean, I wouldn't even say as a career, but just... When did you know that this was what you were good at? Okay. Because I think with a lot of us, and I've I've mentioned this before on the show, we are always kind of drawing and things like that with what they teach us in school. Like starting mm-hmm. off in the garden, we're, we're painting and drawing and doing all this stuff. But yet as we get older, that tends to kind of fall by the wayside. Some of us yeah. keep doing it on the side. Some of us don't. When did you realize like, yeah, I'm pretty good at this? I guess when I started to just notice how much I would push other people to continue. Because <laughs> okay. I, like, when I was at different boards, because I was, like, at, like, BBC and different, I don't know if you, <laughs> if you're familiar with these at all, but, like, what was their names? Solon Graphics, other things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I used to design, it would be me, one of my really good friends, Leon, <laughs> And like a few others and we all did graphics and there was like certain points where they were just like, okay, like I'm going to stop doing graphics or the board is dying. I don't really want to do graphics anymore. It's not like my thing. And I was like, what? Like, no, like we're always going to do graphics. What do you mean? (laughs) So I used to like push other people and then I used to, it kind of like made me realize how important it was to me to just always continue to design and do things and be creative at least be you know at least do something that's creative so that you're always doing something that's new now we've had some la designers on the show before you're from la i think you're the only design well maybe not the only one you might be the only one i've spoken to for the show that's from la yeah what was it like 
growing up there for you in terms of like stoking your creativity? I don't really think that being from here that it was immediately, I don't know, immediately like, oh yeah, like I'm in a perfect area for this. It was kind of difficult to navigate and I still kind of am not totally, I'm not really in like the design community here, I would say. Like I, I have friends that design, but if I don't know like where I would recommend somebody go if they were just in LA, there's probably like some groups out, but I've never been like, I've never like seen them like that or contacted or contacted anybody directly. They were like, oh yeah, we have this meetup or whatever. It's kind of just been like by chance that I meet certain people. Okay. Where do you kind of, I guess, draw inspiration from? Who do you, do you work with other designers? Do you talk with other designers? Yeah. I have a really good friend, Paula Mendoza, that I have luckily like, have been friends with for a few years and we both design. So it's always been like a, a thing. Like if I really, really, really needed a critique and I didn't like trust the people that were around me or, or wanted like a another opinion that I felt like I could really relate to that was really honest, I can ask her. And I've always looked at her for inspiration too. We design differently, but we still have like a commonality in some ways. Also... I still like, well, right now, like recently I met Honey. I don't know how many, uh, has it been years? I don't know how long I've known her for now. I feel like I should, but yeah, Honey's always been an inspiration. And I think I've more so drawn from the online community for inspiration. Like I'm on all types of like websites, uh, Behance, like Smashing, whatever, like all of those sites. I'm always on there. And I still kind of talk to like my friends that used to design, even though like everything I do, they think it's impressive. So that isn't helpful, but, (laughs) 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 but but yeah, like I still talk to them. And then there's some other designers that I've tried to like keep in contact with just because I really trust their aesthetic. I got you. You mentioned honey. I get a strong honey resemblance from from what we're talking about right now oh really (laughs) yeah absolutely absolutely I I like what you said about kind of drawing inspiration from the online community because for people that I've had on the show before that has tended to be I think where they've also gotten a lot of inspiration because for one reason or another maybe they don't have access to in-person communities or they go to events and things and they don't feel like they're a part of it but yet online kind of democratizes a lot of access. Mm-hmm. And so you connect with people that are, you know, not in your backyard, but you share a similar aesthetic, you share similar values and things like that. And so that's how they sort of build their tribe that way, which I think is now certainly a pretty good thing. Yeah, it is. And I think it's the best way to kind of hone in like what, like, how you want to design or at least to like see like oh okay I admire this that that or <laughs> or these certain people and I know I at least want to get there so you kind of have like little benchmarks because I feel like without anything online I wouldn't be nearly at like any type of stage that I'm at right now like I would probably be I probably wouldn't even be designing if there wasn't Like if I didn't have like a strong connection to the online community, Uh I probably would have lost my way like a long time ago. Interesting. You also went to school for design a little bit, didn't you? Yeah, I went to, I'm a dropout. (laughs) Okay. So I was already self-taught because I've been designing since I was like 15, I want to say. But I went to school for like a double major in political science and studio art. Uh, One of my relatives that was helping me pay would not let me only do art. So I did a double major Hmm. and the schooling was, it was cool. Like, like I learned how to do a lot of things with, like I learned how to build canvases. I learned how to paint better, but everything that had to deal with design and and web design or graphic design, the classes were like really not challenging. Like I know that there was like a lot of times where 
I would go to class and there would be something that we're assigned and I would just do it like within the lecture part and I would just turn it in. I always got good grades. So I was like, okay, you're not being challenged here at all. Like, and then there was like sometimes when I felt like I knew a little bit more than the teacher, just because I've been online for a minute and I kind of like knew my way around pretty well. Like I started to just like do like silly stuff. Like I would just make graphics with the teacher in it and just be like, here. <laughs> and, so, and, and like, oh, okay, hey. <laughs> that was kind of why I did drop out because I felt like I was doing a lot with my poli sci side. I was on student government, so I was representing the school. And I was just doing a lot of stuff with that major. I was super into that. But then I was just like, I know this isn't what I want to do with my life. Like, I don't want to be like helping somebody with a campaign or whatever. I want to do things that are creative. So that kind of made me decide like, no, nah, this, if you continue, if you like go all four years, you know, you're not going to do art. So you might as well try and like switch that around. That's why like I got an internship at the gallery because I was just like, okay, let's completely focus on art for now. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like that going that course at least let you know that that was something that wasn't for you. Like you said, you went into this program, you kind of felt like you knew what you needed or knew what you already knew. And mm-hmm. then it didn't really feel like it was helping you. And so you, you dropped out, which I mean, I'm not saying it to kind of make light of it because certainly within the tech community, I guess it would extend to, to design a little bit, but the whole notion of like being someone that bucks traditional education and does their own thing is like a positive in terms of showing your drive and showing your, I guess, yeah, showing your drive towards what you what it is that you want to do. Yeah. And I think like it shows, I feel like staying the path and kind of not doing like, oh, four years of college. All right. Degree. I'm done with this. I think in, in still like being an artist and still being a designer, it kind of shows a certain type of tenacity that not everybody has. And it kind of really connected to me. Some people will benefit greatly from going to college and studying, you know, different things. But for me, I think that my approach to design is kind of like, I love to deconstruct things and figure things out and come with like my own approach to things. I feel like it helps my creative process better. So at school, you're more so learning like, okay, this is how you do this. This is, you know, I guess like the correct way or the way that we recommend. And when I was in college, I was like, well, yeah, there's that way. I do it this way. My way is a little faster. (laughs) So, and and I I think that happens a lot like with design because it's a hard thing to really teach somebody I feel like I would have did a lot better if I went to design just to like learn coding, which I kind of like, that's what I'm teaching myself now. So if I was to like give somebody advice on that and they're already somebody who designs, who kind of has their own aesthetic, kind of knows what they're doing, like go to school and learn like coding or something. (laughs) Don't just like just do art or whatever. Cause you, you'll start to notice like, oh yeah, like, I don't know if, if, you know, I'm being challenged. Well, I know for a while and it's still sort of going on. There's this whole debate about should designers code and should coders design. And I think that to be a good designer, especially, you know, now with the internet, you kind of have to know some code. Like it just, it just helps you out to further conceptualize the work that you're doing. For me, I can't separate designing and coding. Like it's it's always going to be intrinsically linked for me. I think that's mm-hmm. how I learned it. I learned on the web. So I was learning coding and I was learning how to put it in a web page at the same time. Yeah. That I was going to just basically co-sign. Like that's that's the best way to especially now to learn design cuz I mean I know like the basics like HTML, CSS, WordPress, but it is really, really dope if you know how to design and you also know like JS or something. <laughs> like to like know how to manipulate your work is amazing. And that's kind of I'm really like interested in that. And that's why I'm like diving into that whole part. Yeah, for me it was learning uh layouts 
and CSS, especially when that whole transition came from doing table-based layouts, because I, I could not get tables to save really? my I know tables so well now. <laughs> I mean, I know now too, but like <laughs> when I was just starting out, I was like, there's got to be an easier way to do this. And then once the yeah. CSS layouts came along, I was like, oh, this makes so much more sense because it separated the code. Yeah. Well, separated the presentation from the content. And I was like, okay, this makes so much more sense. Now, eventually I came around to learning tables, but at the time I was like, I am not getting it. Like TD, <laughs> The only reason why I know tables pretty well now is because I had to, uh, I've done like a lot of email newsletters. Yes. So un- unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> I had to be really, really good at like, tables and doing that so emails are responsive yeah how did your family take it when you dropped out (laughs) my mom still like she will never be impressed until I get a degree (laughs) it does not matter what job I get like she's always you know asking about or not really asking but like mentioning it and she always mentions when other relatives get degrees (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like if if my cousin just like graduated or whatever, she's like, you know, what's his name got his degree and yada, yada, yada. Like, okay, (laughs) I hear you. But my mom is like proud of me, but I think that she really, really wanted me to to get a degree just because she thinks like that means that's proof that I'm smart. (laughs) But for everybody else, I don't think that they really like like they didn't really have much of a reaction to it. They're just like, okay, well, you know, figure it out. However you got to figure it out. Um, my relative that kind of helped me was here and there. So I, like, he wasn't like a super big presence in my life. So I didn't even really care what he had to say, if there was any type of negative response to me dropping out. Now, the reason I was asking about that is, you know, I mean, my mom is, is like that too. Like, and I think it's just parents come from that generation where like a degree equals success, like it equals mm-hmm. some, some level of of merit or accomplishment, which yeah, it kind of does, but not really so much with design because, you know, design aside, well, I don't want to say design in general. I would say graphic design, like what yeah. we're doing is fairly new. And because of that, because it's really come up with, with technology, you don't really have to have a four-year degree to be proficient. You don't have to have a four-year degree to get work or to be successful. Yeah. Um, and I'm not even convinced that much that it helps. Now, yeah. I, you know, like they went to design school, they they put in their four years at a at a SVA or RISD mm-hmm. or something. And I'm like, that's that's good and that's great because one thing that those schools do afford that maybe people wouldn't get if they went, you know, a self-taught route is a certain pipeline to other opportunities. But even a really good, dope self-taught designer, if they've got a good social media following or they're good at kind of, you know, reaching out and networking to people can also get into that same sort of pipeline and get jobs and get work. So a degree now I feel like is not, I don't think it's, it's that important for what we do. Uh, especially yeah. changes so much as well. Like you could start, I've taught design and I can tell you like the <laughs> changing so quickly with, you know, what we do on the web and things like that. What you're teaching this year is going to be obsolete in two years, maybe anyway. So what good is it to say, oh yeah, I've got a degree in web design, but when you learned it, you were doing all table-based layouts. Yeah. It's really all about your aesthetic. Like And I would say for people that are in college, the main thing to kind of think of that was important and kind of made a difference is networking in college. And when you go out, you will see that jobs will ask you for a degree and stuff, but it never stopped me. Honestly, like I apply to like jobs that will be like, oh, you have to have a four year degree, da, 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 da. And I'll still get people to call me in for an interview because they like my work, not because they're going to check to see if I have a degree. And I already tell them, like, like I don't. So like, I, I have the equivalent experience part. Right. And that equivalent experience is what's I feel is what's important because it shows that you know how to do the work. I think, you know, getting a degree, you know, not for nothing for folks that have an art or a design degree. It shows mm-hmm. you can do the work, but being able to see 
the work that you can do outside of an academic context is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. How do you feel like your aesthetic has evolved over the years? It has. <laughs> when I was at Dying Peace, I feel like I had a really wacky aesthetic. There was one lookbook that I did where I put like, well, yeah, yeah, it was wacky because there's in the lookbook I put a very, very blurred image of a woman holding up implants to her chest. And like I well, and like a woman that was like blinking, like it was a gif, like a lot of different stuff. And even one of the owners of the brand was like, when we first put this out, I I didn't know what this was. <laughs> like I was just like, okay, like and then like years later she came to be like to really appreciate it because it was really different, it was really cool. And yeah, so I had that like kind of random aesthetic that was kind of based off of what I learned at message boards and and what I liked because I love textures. I love like playing with things. I like blurred images. I like to play with like how close something is to you, perspective and all that type of stuff. So back then I kind of did more playful work. And then I think when I was at the club, I was kind of like going more into blending just because it was easier too (laughs) and it was a lot less complicated because I had to do flyers like all the time and Mm -hmm. I got I started to get super simple but I don't think that was really me changing it was just what the clients kind of called for they wanted me to like pull back so I pulled back current work is kind of I don't know. <laughs> it's really it's always been really hard for me to like explain my own aesthetic, but I guess it for current work it just kind of depends on what they wanted. Like I did something for the agency that was for this really big client that does like a lot of video stuff. Mm-hmm. And for that, they were like we wanted to look like a club, which was funny, but <laughs> <laughs> because their clientele they call it like dads with cash, so they're like it's going to be a lot of old dudes here, but we want it to look fun and vibrant and like young people are here. <laughs> so I kind of went back and I did like my blends and stuff and they loved it. Like I did like cityscapes from Toronto and different places because it, it took place in Toronto. I did like cityscapes from different parts in Canada that were like their biggest audiences and they were like, great, we love this. And that was still like borrowing from my old aesthetic. So Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I would even describe my current. Are there any designers out there that you admire? I know you you mentioned uh, you mentioned Honey. Yeah. uh, uh, Your friend Paula. Are there any others out there that you whose style that you really like? Like I cannot find his work now for the life of me, but I really love this dude. His his name was Lauren Palmer, and. His work was amazing. And I know that he did like, I think he like had some stuff with like KDU, if you remember that, the Keystone Design Union. Mm-hmm. He had one or maybe a few pieces with them. But when I saw his work, it was like one of those like, oh, shit moments. <laughs> like, this is dope. Like, his stuff was like, it, I think the main designers that made me have that reaction were probably him and Honey. Because I was just, I saw like some early stuff that Honey did where she had, it was another GIF thing. And it was just like, so crazy. I like, I didn't even know that was possible with certain graphics. And then like uh, one of my good friends too, that stopped designing though. (laughs) He did some crazy stuff with GIFs too early on. Like, yeah, it was like, he used to like have phones and stuff in his work and loading screens and I don't know. It was it was really, really advanced for where they like when he created it. Is KDU even still around? I haven't heard. I that. don't think so. Mm-hmm. But that's the fu- I loved like that website. And I looked it up recently and it's not up right now. <laughs> but <laughs> that like their work was so crazy and like amazing. Like. Their work inspires me a lot. I wish I could do some of the stuff I see on there. I get so upset that I can't. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> might not be uh, 
familiar KDU Keystone Design Unit. It came about like in the early, like early to mid 2000s. Yeah. Uh, they, they did really have some super innovative work. I, I don't know if they're still around now or if they're still doing anything, but. They still yeah. have some stuff on Behance. Okay. I mean, they, like, there's some samples of work if people want to look at them, <laughs> but. But yeah, they like I think they have some major campaigns and stuff. And yeah, it's just really, really cool to see that. Oh, and also there's another designer (laughs) that kind of mentored me like early on. And his name is Therese uh, Tolbert. And because, you know, in message board days or whatever, it was really, really competitive. Like nobody went well, at least for like nobody wants to tell me how they did something. So I was just like, okay, I just have to figure it out, which is also kind of kind of why my process is what it is. But I went to one designer and back then I think his name was like Rez Yep or something. I was like, hey, like how did you like do this? Like I'm like there was this one graphic where he did something crazy in it and I couldn't figure it out. So I was just I was like, like, I'm just gonna ask him. And luckily when I asked him, he was just kind of like oh yeah, like I'll show you how to do it. Like no problem. And it was like some crazy process, but I was so happy that he like even broke it down for me. And then he was like, any type of questions that you have about whatever, just let me know. He was in school for design. So I think that's why he was open to showing me stuff and like letting me know how to do certain things. Otherwise, I think if he was just like somebody that was just like doing SIGs for fun, he would probably be like, nah, like, you ain't about to copy my style. Because like, <laughs> that's pretty much how, like, a lot of people were. But, yeah, he was, like, really, really helpful. Now, you've worked in a lot of different agencies, and you've kind of mentioned some of them during the conversation. You worked in some staffing agencies. You worked at some some kind of more traditional marketing-type agencies. Yeah. What has it been like kind of working between those different types of environments for you as a creative? I think for me, I love marketing agencies the most, even though people say like, it's kind of like, you're going to slowly die. There's so much work. Like there's always stuff to do because I worked at Optimist and I think I can mention that like, they're like the two biggest clients were like Nike and Google. So I did a lot of that type of work and that work environment was the best work environment that I've ever had, like, ever, ever. (laughs) Like, it was just like every, well, for one, it was really diverse. There is a lot of people who worked there with different experiences. We had people that were from, like, Finland, and then, like, people who are just from different parts of, you know, the U.S., lots of Black people, lots of, like, Mexicans, Asian, like, whatever. It was just it was like a, a melting pot at that agency, which I was really, really thankful for because usually I'm one of the few women and one of the few black people at whatever place I'm at. Mm-hmm. So that's, I kind of like really, really gravitated to that work environment and, and my peers there. Everybody was really supportive. It was kind of like, let's figure it out together. Not like you did this wrong or whatever. It wasn't, it was really, really nurturing. Although they did expect you to know your shit. They were more so concentrated on creating things that were challenging, which is basically where I want to go for my career, just period. Like I always want to do things that are challenging and don't just appease the audience, but makes them want to, you know, do something or inspires them. So it was, it was like that. And they were doing a lot of stuff that was not, you know, the typical stuff. Like you're doing some stuff with VR, doing some stuff like with um, a lot of builds and a lot of like, ex- like they were more so concerned about the experiences that people will have when they see the work mm-hmm. and when they, you know, are in different spaces, not just like is this right? Or, you know, not just the, you know, little details, but also like, like what happens after this type of thing? Yeah. And I just like that. I just like that mindset. I just like when people are just going forward, but um, the other agencies, like there is other ones and (laughs) 
I didn't have as great of an experience because usually like I think my other agencies, they're they're usually smaller and they had like like they'll have like a certain client list that they always do work for. And they kind of do work with only what that client needs in mind, not like, oh, well, they want this, but let's do this too. Or they want this, let's stretch it, which is kind of what my other agent Optimus did. So it gets really, really repetitive and boring when you're just doing like what the client wants and that's it. So that's why the other agencies weren't as great. And as far as staffing agencies, those are kind of like, I really valued those, especially as a young designer that going to a staffing agency was the first time I realized how much I should charge even though they're like ripping you off, (laughs) but it was the first time somebody looked at my work and they were just like, Oh, you should be charging $35 an hour. And I was like, what? (laughs) Because, because I was like young and I was coming from like living around Lamert park and most people around me making like, if they're making a good, you know, wage is maybe like $18 an hour or something. So if you tell me 35, I'm like, what? Like, really? (laughs) So, but yeah, that was when I learned how much I should like make or how much I should kind of like gauge myself on. And they put me in really good places. Like I was represented by maybe every staffing agency in LA (laughs) So there's some that, that are better than others. Usually it's it's better to go with like staffing agencies that are a little smaller or, is, or at least seem a little smaller to me because I like it when you can like establish a relationship with your recruiter. But yeah, like I was represented by a bunch of them and I would always like call them and bug them and try and like talk to them. <laughs> there's like one recruiter that I was so cool with her I was like oh you want to go to lunch like <laughs> like stuff like that yeah like if you're like just starting out those places are great especially if you have a really good portfolio you know your portfolio is like up to par mm-hmm. they will get you and like get you in the door at least because it's really really hard when you're just starting out and you don't really know like how to present yourself so it sounds like there's certainly pros and cons that each of those environments offered and I mean, also, it just sounds like your natural charisma played into the success that you had, particularly with staffing agencies. Like, I'm thinking of experiences I've had. I'm thinking of experiences that I've I've talked with with other people where it's like staffing agencies can be kind of hit or miss. Some of them, your recruiter, it's clearly just kind of like trying to fill a quota. Yeah. Um, Like they're not really looking out for you or they may not have the best idea of what your skills are, even though they've seen your portfolio and and stuff like that. But it sounds like you were able to really kind of finesse that into something greater. Yeah, I feel like I'm naturally shy. <laughs> but if it comes to like work and money, <laughs> I have to like speak up. And, that's, yeah. you know, that's what, you know, most things like you have to like get some balls about you not to, you know, have it be a man thing or whatever. But you have to kind of like make sure that you represent yourself and that you're serious about your work and your skill set. So, yeah, when you come at staffing agencies, try and come correct. <laughs> try to think about building relationships more so than just getting a job. Like everything is like with everything you do when it involves your career, you're building a relationship and you're building a rapport with somebody. So, you know, if somebody, like if a recruiter has you on for a job, like your perspective and you don't get the job and you're angry, don't, you know, yell at them and be angry. (laughs) Just, just, you know, try and take it in stride and hopefully, you know, you'll have something else coming up. In that case, it's not, it's not the recruiter's fault. Really. It's the company that. Yeah. Someone else. Sometimes companies have, really short turnarounds when they need someone and mm-hmm. just what they needed at the time. So it's not an indictment on the recruiter. You know, you have to kind of look at it from a different angle. Yeah, for sure. What's the last thing that you designed that was like just for fun? I know you're doing client work and stuff now as, as a freelancer, but what's the last thing you designed that was just, I'm just going to get in Photoshop or Illustrator and just make something. Well, I actually made a signature graphic for my friend because we are really close. <laughs> he was, and we used to always like it was one of the friends I was on message on a message board with, 
And we were talking about like how long, like he hasn't designed period. So I was like, I'll always kind of get on him about that. And he was saying like, when's the last time you designed something that was just like for fun? So I designed that like maybe a few weeks ago and I just made him like a sig with like some musical artist or some like some model in the middle. I just kept it super basic and went like back to, you know, what I used to do. And that was pretty fun. But well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the last thing for fun. Because the other thing is like a personal project. That's business. <laughs> okay. Can you talk about that or no? I could talk about, well, okay, yeah. I have this idea. I'm not going to say the idea. <laughs> but I have this idea for for some app. And I was noticing that a lot of like UI, UX jobs seem really interesting to me. But my portfolio doesn't really show that so I was like okay well let me just think of an idea well not think of an idea but I already had an idea so I was just like let me just like create the whole like UI UX thing for it because I don't know I feel like I'm a like I'm a good designer and people could see that but if they don't see exactly what they mentioned <laughs> in your report then you're not going to get it so that's why I'm just kind of doing that to build up my portfolio which you know other designers have surely done before. Every designer, I think, has just built a project just so they can have something, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't think that there should be a negative kind of connotation with that because sometimes if you don't have the opportunity that you need, you have to kind of go after it, you know? I even use Revision Path as an example of that. I mean, I built this because I didn't see where Black designers were being recognized. I felt in the same way that other designers are being recognized, even though we're out here doing the work, putting in the hours and making dope stuff, but nobody knows what we're doing or the kind of work that we're working on. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of, you know, kind of hoping that that sort of opportunity came along, I just had to just had to do it, you know? Yeah. It's like just making your own shit for your portfolio, because if you're not doing it, then how else is it going to come about, you know? Right, right. That's exactly. Do you have a dream project that you'd love to work on? There's like dream circumstances. <laughs> There's certain things that I do want to work on. I usually think of things visually before I even think of like, like how I want something to look before even the function of it, which is weird. But <laughs> but yeah, there's there's certain things that I do want to create visually that I haven't got to create yet. Like there's photo shoots that I want to do that I haven't got to do yet. And I'm going to start like shooting more. There's sites that I want to do that I haven't gotten to do yet. So there's those type of situations for me right now. Like, are you asking about like dream scenario? Like what I would like to do? It's whatever you, whatever you would want to do. If it's a, a dream project you'd like to work on, a dream client, anything like that. Yeah. I do want to do more political stuff that doesn't look political, <laughs> which kind of feeds into like my poli sci major because I just happen to just know or I keep up with the news and stuff. And there's certain things I think should happen outside of the political process that just helps to unite people and provides like something else that's that could be beneficial to people because. Right now, it's kind of like black and white, like either you're into the political process and you vote and you do this and you stay informed or you're not. And I think that there should be something in between there for people that aren't or maybe don't like gravitate or don't inform themselves well, Mm -hmm. but isn't so-and-so is representing da-da-da-da and they want you to know that. Like, I think that everything is way too focused on the benefit like who's benefiting from something like they'll like spend some money so that people are informed on whatever they're going to be impacted by or whatever's for their campaign yeah but if there's something that's like unbiased and in between and especially for people of color i think that'll be like really dope yeah i think right around the time when the election happened i know that the the tone of the show for a while was <laughs> kind of talked about political stuff and how designers could be doing more, you know, political things or getting yeah. involved just in terms of knowledge and not not so much, you know, anti this or pro that, but 
more how can we use the skills that we have to help things out on a civic basis you know what i mean yeah like there is one designer who is like if you don't agree with the with the morals of the company or whatever that you're designing for then you shouldn't be working for them yeah and i was like well that's <laughs> i mean that's, that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cause I like I know when I worked at Dre's, I hated that place. That place still sucks. <laughs> but I forgot when I read that or what year he said that. I think I was in a better situation. But yeah, like there's some places like, especially I feel like with entertainment, and when I was doing stuff for that, mm-hmm. like there's a lot of messages you're not going to agree with, but it is hard to get a job. <laughs> so you just do it. But yeah, I get both sides. But yeah, that was <sighs> those years working for that club was crazy. <laughs> I want to say that was Mike Montero that said that. I feel like yeah. he was. Yeah, that was him. That was him. I was trying to remember <laughs> I was trying to remember his last name, but I was just like, damn it, I don't want to say it wrong. But yeah, that was him. And until I go back, like at the club, like, like I was doing the flyers and stuff, but like it was a mostly male dominated business. And I was one of the few women there and like the things that they would say and just like, I didn't even want to like, like I used to be able to go to the club and get people in for free and get free drinks or whatever. But mm-hmm. I was just like, sick of it like I just couldn't at all like I still don't like clubs I'm just like they suck (laughs) it's just like the type of things when you are in that macho atmosphere and there's like a lot of people and they care a lot about money and stuff Uh you will be in one of the worst (laughs) jobs ever if it has that environment and Mm -hmm. hopefully like I think like as I've gotten older company culture has been so, so important to me now. Oh, yeah. And I hope people take that more into account when they get certain jobs because things will start to kill you slowly (laughs) if you, like, just work for someplace and it is like that. Like, it will suck. And hopefully, like, you can deal with it. But, yeah, it's hard. It's really, really hard. Yeah, I remember when I worked for AT&T. This is before I, I quit and started my studio. I was just happy to be working for this big company and I was getting paid at least on an hourly wage, the most that I was ever getting paid. And I was like, this is it. But that job broke me. Yeah. Completely broke. I mean, like not just spiritually broke me, like it physically broke me. Like I was working 12 hour shifts. I was stressing my body out. Like it was rough, but I was in it because I'm like, well, you know, I got to pay bills. I got to pay rent. And also name value. Like, yeah, I, I'm a senior designer at AT AT&T, but it was uh, the worst, well, not the worst. It was one of the worst work experiences I've ever had. And I was like, I would never, ever, ever, ever go back to something like that. It was like a production-based sort of thing. It broke me. Yeah. I just couldn't do it. I would (laughs) would (laughs) two or three times a week. Like, it it would make me sick, but, like, it was just, I couldn't do it, so... Yeah, it's it's like, because I've had all different types of like those type, those type of jobs. The club Mm -hmm. was the worst. I think like Dying Peace was kind of just, when I left there, I definitely felt like I was a little broken because originally when I came in, there was like a designer that was kind of like under the radar or he was like secretive, like no, like nobody was supposed to know he was there. (laughs) And he did their brand, but it was like really cutesy, girly, like stuff that's just like, oh, that's cute or whatever. But it didn't like match up with what the owners of the brand was thinking for that. Like they wanted something edgy, something like fashion forward. And I did the new logo and I did like their branding and stuff. And we started to see a lot of traction, like Cassie, Diddy's girlfriend, like ordered like a bunch of stuff off the website and then like Diddy called the office and he was like, yeah, this is dope. You guys should do yada, yada. And I started to like, like witness all of this popularity due to like, you know, all of our work. Cause I think back then or for a long period of time, first it was like three of us. It was me and the two owners. And then there was my joy who came on, who was doing like 
Uh, I don't even know how to describe that, so I'm not going to. <laughs> but, but yeah, it was like not the design or anything, not like the conceptual stuff, but other stuff that had to be done. Yeah, so I started to witness like this blow up, but this, but I, but like my, like what I was making from the brand wasn't matching up. I even had like a big title, like I was the co-creative director, but I wasn't making shit. <laughs> And I had to like write this email to them. And this is like a brand that's like based off of like female empowerment and all of that stuff. And I had to write to them and say like, hey, like I'm not getting paid a livable wage. So I can't afford to like work here and I can't afford to do these things for you guys. Even though like it was kind of like a friendship, but not really. (laughs) So yeah, it just, when I left there and I felt like I was doing like work that really spoke to me, but I felt like I wasn't compensated right. It kind of just like broke me mentally. Cause I was just kind of like, I don't know if I'll ever get a job where I enjoy what I'm doing and I'm actually paid correctly for it because like all of my work, I guess, doesn't, you know, didn't mean anything to them or something or yeah, I, like I like back then, I was just like, uh, I don't know if I'll ever be able to design the same way, and to yeah. design without like, you know, to design without like, like without constraints. Yeah, you know? exactly. To just yeah, to design in that sort of way, because I was like doing all types of stuff there. Like I did like a troll doll with a vibrator design, <laughs> and <laughs> and we printed it on shirts, and people bought it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like the most random thing. But yeah, I also do like the Barbie heads and like all types of stuff. So when that didn't pick up for me in the way that I thought it was, I was just kind of crushed. How did you kind of build yourself back up after that? I'm not sure if I went to that terrible job at the club or it's a staffing agency after that. But mm-hmm. I think it was probably one of those, maybe the staffing agency, I'm not sure. But It was a really gradual process. Like I had to go through a lot of just kind of being like my own, you know, like encouraging myself basically, like you can do it. Like this is nothing. Like (laughs) Just keep on designing, keep on doing. I had to like just continually encourage myself and pick myself up and get inspiration from from things that I was seeing that other designers were doing that was like really visually amazing to me so that I felt like there was like more room to grow and that I for sure needed to like keep on the path. Did you have any kind of mentors or anyone that, that has, I mean, either that helped you out during that time, but just in general, as you've grown in your career, who have been those people that have kind of motivated you and inspired you? Back then, like Paula was really great. And I just had, like, all of my friends, like, Leon, like, who else was talking? Well, those are, like, the designers that I would talk to. But there was just, like, a lot of people who would always encourage me. And and there was, like, still people in, like, the streetwear culture that were, like, oh, I know who you are. I know what what you've done. And, you know, that stuff is dope. So, you know, keep doing it. Like, a lot of people wanted me to, like continue and to like make my own brand which Uh I was like I don't know (laughs) like I just didn't even feel like it after a while but but yeah there there was like a lot of like different people like that they were just always really supportive and I, I think that that's like they don't really say that about like LA but like when you get into certain like groups and people recognize you they are really, really like positive people that are just out here <laughs> and uh, they're super encouraging. Is there like a LA reputation? I didn't know that, that that existed. Well, I think like when I think of the stereotypical LA perception, it's like, oh, everybody is an actor and trying to be famous and <laughs> stuff. It is different for me because I'm from here too. So, I always have this like, like people that move here are a little bit different than people who are from here. Well, very different because they all have a very specific purpose. So they're very like business oriented or whatever their you know field is. They are about that because they came here for that. Mm-hmm. The community that I grew up in is always really supportive, and the people that I've known like in streetwear and in the uh, 
and in the art scene and stuff have been dope. Like the smartest people I know are artists, like painters and stuff. So yeah, yeah. they're really. Do you, have, do, do you have a philosophy as a designer? Like do, when you approach work, do you feel like you're you're coming at it from a specific vantage point? When I approach client work, I try to come at it from the perspective of their demographic. Like, what do they think is dope? Like, what, like, what are they going to be excited about? Like, what's their day looking like? And when, when are they going to see this? How are they going to experience it? How are, like, what does it make them feel? You know, like types, like that type of stuff. I really focus on experiences because I feel like that's, the biggest thing we have now is how people touch, feel, taste certain things. So I, I like to come from that point of view. As far mm-hmm. as my personal stuff, I, I'm i still like very sensory. I love things that are clean. I love like details that are clean. So I do like overly focus on that. When I used to like talk to designers that I was like helping at the agency before, they were like a little bit lower than me. Mm-hmm. I was always super meticulous and I would just make jokes about like little mistakes that they've made in certain things. I got to keep it lighthearted, but yeah, I'm really into like the, the very small details of things and, and how people like when they see it, like what they see. What life advice has kind of stuck with you the longest? It sounds like you've certainly went through a, a variety of experiences that have shaped who you are as a person and as a designer today. Throughout all of that, what's sort of stuck with you? I don't really know. Like, I kind of like to remain random and not focused on something. I like to be open, I guess. I like to be open-minded and try to take in certain things. Even when I was, like, younger, like, maybe, like, seven, (laughs) I had this thought of approaching things with a childlike mind. I don't know why that was important to me as a young kid, but... I always wanted to never be stagnant, never think this is the only way this could be, always evolve, always have a sense of humor about things. I think that's like really helped me because there's been like some different things that have happened in my career where if I took things seriously and if I took it at face value, it would have been really, really hard to get over. I feel like my childhood advice to myself has been the best advice. <laughs> like just being like, like, don't get too serious. Like always like think that there's something more. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Like what do you want to be doing in terms of, of work or anything like that? I want to be really, really good at coding. <laughs> um, I want to be a creative director, more solidified as a creative director. I want to do more like conceptualized photo shoots, like highly conceptual when you're like building things and everything is like very like clearly laid out. And I I also like wanted to possibly, well, not in five years, but like later on, like own a gallery, even though I don't know how that's going to (laughs) happen, but I wanted to do some stuff like that. And I also wanted to teach, but I want to like teach really young kids how to like design and do certain stuff. Well, I think certainly, you know, I don't see enough designers doing that thing where they're really sort of, I guess, giving back Mm -hmm. in that way. So even if it's something where you're just mentoring like kids at a school or something like that, there's, you know, there's certain ways you can kind of start that out. I think that would be pretty good. It would sort of get you along to that goal. Yeah. Plus like design is expensive. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. so I want to like be able to, cause I think that's why a lot of like why, well, a part of the reason anyway, why it's so hard to like get more diversity. It's just like, it's Photoshop is expensive. Like illustrator is expensive. I also wanted to like do that, especially for old schools I used to go to out here. Cause I went to like Crenshaw and all that. And <laughs> Like they've been having some struggles. So if I'm ever at a point where I could like donate computers and also like help to mentor or teach, I would love to do that. So just to kind of wrap things up, Gentel, where can our audience find out more about you and about your work online? 
You can go to my website, www.jintelg.com, just my name. I'm also on Twitter, just my first name, G-I-N-T-E-L. And yeah, those are the two. Oh, well, there's my Behance, which is probably also my name. My name is really unique, so it's hard not to find things under my name. (laughs) Sounds good. Well, Gentel G, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing your really your your whole story about kind of how you started the work that you're doing i can really tell that you have like this strong like creative streak that drives you and i think you know with everything that you sort of said in terms of like the design community how you started out and even the work that you're doing right now i'm excited to see where you're going to be you know even in the next year from now like of oh, course we thank you years but I mean, I feel like you've got certainly all the elements here to make something great, and hopefully we'll all be able to see that really soon. So thank you again for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thoughts of love are in and that's it for this week. Big thanks to Gentel G, and thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Gentel and her work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Also, thanks as always to our sponsors, Facebook Design, MailChimp, Hover, and SiteGround. Facebook designers work on creative products that are used by over 2 billion people. 2 billion? You know, their mission is to make the world more open and connected, and they use design to create prototypes, shape experiences, and ultimately solve problems as well. Learn more about Facebook Design at facebook.com forward slash design. Whether you need to sell your products, share some big news, or just tell a story, MailChimp makes it easy to create campaigns that best suit your message. You know your business. Let MailChimp help you grow it. Visit MailChimp.com and sign up for a free account today. MailChimp, send better email. Every great idea deserves a great domain name, and Hover takes all the hassle and confusion out of buying and managing domains. You know, I've been using Hover for years now. They offer free private domain registration, your choice of hundreds of domain extensions, and you can connect domains to your favorite web service. Ready to get started? Go to hover.com forward slash revision path and get 10% off your first purchase. Since 2004, SiteGround has been empowering web professionals and beginners alike to build better, faster, safer websites easily without having to worry about hosting. Visit siteground.com forward slash revision path and get 60% off on all hosting plans. 60%. SiteGround, web hosting crafted with care. This episode was edited by RJ Basilio and produced by me, Maurice Cherry. Our intro voiceover is by Music Man Dre with intro and outro music by Yellow Speaker. If you like this episode, please do me a huge favor. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. It only takes a minute or two and it really helps the show out by bumping us up in the rankings there for Design Podcast. And I'll even read your review right here on the show. Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch a multidisciplinary creative studio in Atlanta, Georgia. Visit us at yepitslunch.com for all your design, strategy, and creative consulting needs. And if you like the work that we're doing here at Revision Path, then please consider becoming a patron. Now more than ever, Revision Path needs your support to make sure that stories about black designers and creatives in our field are being told in their own words. So if you support us, just go to patreon.com forward slash revision path and pledge today. We're about to change our pledge levels starting next week, so this is the last time where you can get in for just $1 per month, and you'll get access to behind-the-scenes information about the show, upcoming interviews, and so much more. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.